sponsored by Create Curate, easy-to-use website templates designed on Squarespace for entertainers. Unlike an old-school headshot and resume, a website portfolio will help you create opportunities, build an audience, promote yourself, and grab the attention of casting directors while setting you apart from your competition so you can book more gigs. Every Squarespace website template comes with the Create Curate course that walks you through the entire process of creating your content and curating your website from start to finish. These step-by-step video tutorials, guides, and checklists take away the confusion and the frustration of DIYing your website so you can go from a struggling artist to an in-demand entertainer online. Get 15% off any website template from now through Cyber Monday 2020 with code SWEET15 at createcurate.com. That's 15% off with the code SWEET15 at C-R-E-8-C-U-R-E-8.com. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Sandra Colton Medici. Tune in every Thursday to satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth. Follow on Instagram at Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast and Sandra Colton Medici. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Sweet Bites with Sandra. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Bites with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in to Sweet Bites with Sandra. I'm your host, Sandra Colton Medici, and this is episode two. And I'm so grateful that you've tuned in. Whether you started listening in the premiere episode or episode one, I am so grateful that you're with me. This is so exciting because a lot of people have been engaging on social media and asking questions, whether it's through the phone line that we have for listeners to call in. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. Let me just turn over to what we're going to be talking about today, which is social listening. There are three things that I think are extremely important about social listening. And that means it's that whole like be a super sleuth, have your ear to the ground, understand what culturally is shifting right now. Because a lot of people have been asking me, what do I do that makes content shareable? And that is something that is extremely important when you're thinking about branding your business. What is someone going to really look at? What what are they really looking at? What are they really responding to? And how are they going to share your message organically, right? So that's the best way is for someone to say, it's kind of like going to the mall and, you know, with your best friend and going into that, the dressing room with them and trying on bathing suits and having your best friend say, no, I don't like that one. <laughs> or, or yes, yes, that's the winner. That's the one I'm taking it home. Or I know you don't like that one, but I do. Can I get that one? You know what I mean? So all of those kinds of moments where you are looking at content and it is speaking to you, those are what you want shared. And you want them shared in a way where people are responding because it's a recommendation from their best friend or from their mom or from their sister or or someone they trust. And so if they trust them, then they're most likely going to trust you. So there are varying aspects of that, but you want to make sure that when you are thinking about your content and making it shareable, that you're really listening to what people are saying. 
So when you break it down with social listening, there are three things that are extremely important. Tracking, analyzing, and amplifying. Those are the key pillars to making sure that when you have a blip on your radar and it says, oh, people have looked at it, people have shared it, people are commenting, people are engaging. Oh, okay, so let's do more of that. If you're not tracking your metrics, you need to be. So if you don't have a way to do that, you can find a few different ways on my website. You can go to my software solutions page, and there are a ton of different things there that you can you know, take advantage of. But this one is important to make sure that you're tracking your metrics on all of the content that you're sharing. On the software solutions page, you can go to visit www.sandracoltonmedici.com forward slash software dash solutions, and you will find different businesses where you'll be able to utilize their analytics services. Now, all of them are for free. So just make sure that if you're doing a trial period that you you actually do the trial, you don't let it expire without actually trying it because <laughs> I have done that before, <laughs> but make sure that you actually try it, try it out, see if the dashboard fits you, what your, your needs are, and make sure that you're tracking what you're doing. Because if you're just throwing content out there and you're not tracking it, then you're not going to know if anything is is sticking. The other is analyzing. You need to get that analytics gene going. You need to really, when you're thinking about all of your branded content, understand where it came from and where you want it to go. Because if you have no vision for your future, you're going to be sticking in the present and people are going to be passing you by. So let's try to think about when you track it, then you have to set aside that time to analyze it. You have to set aside that time. And when you analyze it, you got to put on multiple hats. You have to put on not just your hat because it's your content and you love it. (laughs) You have to put on the other hats of people who are consuming it and think about it from your audience's perspective. And then amplify it. Amplify those pings, those moments, those extra special happy accidents (laughs) that make your brand what it is. Amplify those because then you'll say, oh, okay, this is, this continues to work. And then start asking the question. Like I said before, ask the questions about why is it working? What is it that drew these people to that particular content? Because you'll, you'll be able to parse out, we missed it on this one, or wow, we hit it out of the park on this other one. So Really take heart those three things, track, analyze, and amplify whenever you're thinking about social listening. So let's take a call from one of our listeners. Hi, this is Micah from Florida. I just have a quick question. I want to know, do you think I should automate all of my digital marketing? Thanks for your help. Bye. Oh my goodness, Micah, that is a great question because there are so many times that I have asked myself the same thing. Should I automate all of my digital marketing strategy? Should I schedule out everything? And I have a kind of a a, a both sides of the coin answer for you. And that is if you don't set up your strategy and you haven't planned it out in order to fulfill it so that it makes sense, you know, through the first, second, third, fourth quarter of the year, then you will have an unfinished puzzle. You will have a campaign that does not look like it finishes its message. You will not have a complete picture of what you're trying to communicate to your audience if you do not plan it out. Having said that, there have been a lot of moments in 2020 where maybe the messaging that you had on a particular day does not 
ring true for the times that we're in. So if you had a particularly happy message for a day where there was a extremely difficult time happening with some sort of uprising or protesting or or some sort of, you know, whether it's the global pandemic or whatnot, and, and your message didn't make sense for that day, I always advocate for having someone on standby <laughs> so that you can reassess. Reassessing your messaging in real time is important. It's not always feasible to have someone at the ready 24 hours a day, especially if you are a small business or doing everything for yourself. But if you plan ahead and you know what your messaging is, when those times arise, then you will be ready. You will be able to go in and stop whatever it is that was supposed to go out at two o'clock, you'll be able to stop that. And that is what it's all about, is understanding that things do change and being able to change with that. And you can then reassess what works, what does not work, pull something out, change something and add something in so that you are staying current with the cultural times that we are living in and the political times that we're living in. There are messages that are meant for anytime. And you can leave those. Sometimes people do too much analysis on what they've actually (laughs) pre-planned. So my advice is there are two sides of that coin. Plan your strategy well in advance, schedule it out, and be ready for change because things do happen. And in the moment, you need to be ready to change those and then be right in that moment. If you have a question that you would like answered on Sweet Bites with Sandra, the podcast, feel free to call 401-216-5059, leave a voicemail, and you too could be featured on the podcast. Welcome back to Sweet Bites with Sandra. I'm so excited to have this very special guest with me today, Meryl Johnson. She is the head of digital marketing for the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Hello. It's so great to be here. Yay. Well, so I'm excited to talk to you because you have so much experience that I, I am just like, when I read your resume, I'm like, okay, I need to like talk to this girl because she has done it. (laughs) (laughs) She's been there, done that, especially in the digital realm. So let's talk about what do you think is the biggest change that you've seen from the beginning of your career until now, as far as in digital marketing or in just marketing in general? I think especially in digital, there's been this transition of just having like a place, just being visible to actually having strategy. And I think that's been the biggest change. And from the time that I've been throughout my career, I've, I've been at legacy organizations and that's where I've seen that biggest transition. It's this idea that if you are there, they will come. And that's not how digital marketing works. Like you have to put targeted strategies into place. You have to utilize every aspect of digital marketing to bring people into your organization. But also you have to have a real brand strategy. So I think digital was seen as this thing over here to the left. Oh, you know, those geeks, those nerds, they'll they'll kind of figure it out. Maybe we don't understand what they're doing, but they're doing something over there to now being fully integrated into your overall strategic vision 
for how you want to at least even reach people and being fully immersed in every single aspect of traditional marketing, of creative marketing, of content marketing. It all really sits under digital marketing. So if you notice, people don't have the role of digital marketing so much anymore. They're just marketers. And they have experience in the digital space because you need it. You need it to survive. You need it to evolve and you need it to innovate. Well, so when you just brought up traditional marketing, so let's talk about that for just a second. What do you spend the most money on then? So are you doing the print and the TV and the radio as like 10% and the rest is a 90%? Like where do you feel like the bulk of budget is going to then? I think for budgeting, it's still expensive when you think about traditional marketing. TV advertising is still very expensive. Cable advertising is even expensive. And even when you get into like streaming from Hulu, which is probably the biggest place where you can stream or or things like Philo or some of those ancillary streaming platforms, that's still kind of expensive. It's expensive to make a commercial versus a kind of digital spot. And nine times out of 10, most companies are going to take their commercials and then they're going to transition them into digital spots. So it's still this situation where you're spending 60% of your budget sometimes more on the traditional marketing because when you print, it's not just the design, it's also what you're printing out. And because most of my experience is in the entertainment space, when I think about that, I think about billboards and posters and all of the aspects that go into that, all the collateral materials that you need to have when you're doing events, like all of that is still necessary. So though there is a shift to where people are spending more on digital It really depends on the campaign. It depends on the need. And it also depends on who you're trying to reach. I've worked on campaigns where we've spent more like 60, 70% on digital and spent way less on traditional because it was more of a digitally focused type of campaign. So those do happen, but they don't happen that often because a lot of times most people think that when you're spending more money on digital, you're reaching a much younger audience, which is true. Like you're reaching an audience to probably 44. And you know that those people are probably not watching TV as much as they normally would, but they are out looking at billboards. They're out going to bars. They're out having to Maybe not so much now that we're in COVID, but <laughs> right. in, a more, <laughs> in a normalized world, that's where they're at. So I think the balance is based off of the need. And I'd like to have more money, but... Um, <laughs> well, we all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be nice to have larger budgets, but I've gotten to making a lot happen with very little. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's that's every company. <laughs> it's kind of like, here's your little marketing budget. The other challenge is that they don't realize that just because it's digital doesn't mean it's less expensive. Right. You know, and, and I know that commercials are more expensive, but when you start thinking about building out immersive sites and then integrating targeted strategies and having a content management system, but also having a CRM so that you're building those consumer relationships. Like when you start to put all of the pieces together of what you need to be data focused as well as strategically kind of in the front end, it's going to cost you a lot of money. So it will be nice to see how companies start to transition more into that space or more traditional companies. You know, when you look at like or streaming platforms or more of the the digital tech companies, they get it. And when we look at companies that are starting to make the transition to digital, they get it too. And they realize, you know, when you have a data scientist, that person is not cheap, 
but they can really change the trajectory of your entire organization and your company to really get that return on investment. Exactly. Well, science is so good, especially the, all those analytics. Well, so can you share a few lessons from your career? Just because I know you've worked for United Artists and CMA, just big organizations in addition to where you work now, but just some of the things that you've learned as far as best practices in your career or things that maybe you didn't know that you, that you could help somebody by telling them now, like do this <laughs> so that they don't encounter that problem in the future. I think the biggest lesson I always tell people is to have a holistic approach. Never approach it in one direction or the other. Think about it from all of the aspects of how you can market and reach individuals. Mm -hmm. So when you think about content, for example, I think some people think you create a piece of content, let's say it fits all the best practices, you put it up, and then you expect it to go viral. Well, that's that's not realistic. And being viral is this like nice buzzy word that people like to use. But in its essence, it's kind of like a whole lot of things coming together to really make that make sense. So it's taking that piece of content and saying, okay, where do we apply media? Where do we apply our proper social practices? How are we also looking at influencer strategies and how we can reach this? How are we applying digital publicity? Because that's, I think, is an oversight and is overlooked. Mm -hmm. And then how are we also really thinking about those targeted approaches and who we're actually speaking to? Mm -hmm. So that way we're getting of the baseline of people who will really interact with that piece of content, but also kind of make sure that the uh, the algorithm is reaching more people that you're really looking to reach. So looking at all of those different pieces and starting to put it together is something that I always tell the people that either report to me or people that I'm educating on digital marketing, because I think people think of it as very myopic. Mm -hmm. A website in their mind is very myopic, yeah. but all of the backend analytics, there's all the SEO, there is sometimes the targeted marketed approaches, whether you're just doing a Google campaign or Facebook campaign or both. It's all of those different pieces that are fitting together. And it's not necessarily being 100% of an expert in everything because it's a lot to try to take in, but it's being an expert enough to know where to apply those strategies so that way you're seeing the most success from them. Well, so you mentioned influencers. And so I want to ask you, especially you working for the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, you have kind of ready-made influencers in the projects that you're putting out, right? So, you know, the stars are influencers in themselves because they're celebrities. So how much of outside influencers, whether they are models or YouTube stars or whatnot, how much of that do you rely on when you're putting out campaigns during award season? Or what part of that do you pull from or do you want to stay away from? Yeah, I think the Academy is a little bit different because the members are our influencers. Mm -hmm. But I think, and I've been at the Academy now for about four months. So in my time there, the way that we're starting to transition things is to think about what is our general audience and how do we also get them to watch the show? How do we get more awareness about all the various amazing things that are happening at the organization? There is programs that create pipelines. There's nonprofit and social impact opportunities. So it goes much deeper than the Oscars. And we have this 364 strategy. So within that, outside of just the one day of the show, that's where we're looking to tap 
maybe influencers that are outside of the realm of our normal membership. So that way we can target people who are not just interested in film, but interested in film and also some of the social impacts some of the pipelines some of the various activities that we have. Because not every member has a social reach that you would think. There's a lot of actors and people behind the camera that, that they, don't, they don't have that. So it's a combination of creating more awareness for those filmmakers that don't necessarily want to have that digital footprint, but we feel like the work is so important. The artistry that they bring on screen is so amazing and beautiful. And also from a worldwide perspective, bringing more awareness to filmmakers outside of just the United States. You're looking at, you know, some of our Latin American filmmakers and what we're doing in Africa and what's happening in China and Japan and Taiwan. And there's so many different, in Europe, you know, just France. When you look at, as a Black woman, you know, I love Black French cinema, and there's just so much beauty and storytelling associated with it. So you kind of have to go outside of the boundaries of just looking at, okay, this uh, Melina Mastukas, who is not necessarily a member, but is in the industry, how can we also bring her into the fold? But also, how do we then attach her to somebody who is not as well-known, or how do we maybe associate with her with somebody who is an influencer in the tech space or in the photography space or in the fashion space? So we're starting to create those connections of where entertainment and things outside of the world of entertainment overlap. So we're reaching more individuals. We're kind of at the beginning of that because we're getting into the season due to COVID, you know, everything kind of had to push back. So it's going to be an interesting season that I think everybody's going to see. And some of the new aspects of how we're going to be going about it, especially knowing that with Aperture 2025, we've wanted to make sure to create more opportunities for people of color and for people with disabilities and just for people outside of the realm of what you traditionally know as being as as being a part of the academy. I love an influencer strategy. I've always tapped into an influencer strategy throughout my career. So I've used a mix of social influencers, mommy bloggers, book enthusiasts. I mean, it really just depends on what we're trying to sell. But a good influencer and a good group of influencers will take you far. You know, if it's organic and it feels like, you know, it's, it's all about doing it in their voice and not making it feel as though it's you're trying to fit something where it doesn't necessarily fit. Exactly. Well, so when you are thinking of because you mentioned the social footprint. What are some of the buzzy buzz words? Because footprint, I, I remember footprint to me, it always reminds me of when people talk about the carbon footprint. And so, um, <laughs> you know, like, where are you, you know, are you buying too much gas? When you think about buzzwords, right? What is the buzziest buzzword that you are so over in 2020 <laughs> that you could just do without and replace it with something that we need to be talking about in 2021 as far as what you do in your in your field? I think I'd mentioned a little bit before viral. I yeah. hate the word <laughs> viral right. because it was viral and big idea mm. because, you know, it's this thing where people feel like that once something becomes viral, it takes them to a whole different level. Mm-hmm. And because you're, you're unaware of the pieces that are put together in order for something to become viral, kind of like just being in the right place at the right time type of situation. Yeah it being something that just happens to be of the moment. Mm -hmm. There's so many marketers that try their best to make something go viral. And it's like chasing a dragon. You can't really make something go viral. Mm -hmm. I think you can 
put enough money behind it to make it feel like it could be viral. Mm -hmm. But being viral is such a organic opportunity. You know, look at the ocean spray guy, the guy on TikTok who just, Oh, with the skateboard guy, the skateboard guy (laughs) knew that that would be a video that would go quote unquote viral. Yeah. But it, so now you've got people, brands who are trying to like recreate that. And you yeah. can't like, it, it, it's just this fleeting lack of necessity of trying to take resources and make something feel bigger than what it is. And digital marketing is, I always tell people it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You've got to just keep moving and keep doing and keep learning and testing and just going through the processes and know that you'll have growth. It's just all about creating as many tactics as possible to create growth. But you don't have to have that like one flash in the pants thing that's going to then make you the next big thing. So I would like to replace viral with just authentic. Ooh. You know? Okay. Authentic. Because authenticity eventually could make you viral. But it's not a something that I always try to reach for. I never, ever, ever try to go viral. Right. I just try to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Let's just tell the story. Let's speak to people the way that they want to be spoken mm-hmm. to. Let's know our audience and who we're speaking to. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have that growth. Yeah. It bothers me. Viral and big idea. Like, so, so what makes a big idea? Is it one particular idea? Is it a bunch of big big ideas? Is it just this is really selling people on something? I think of a big idea as like a used car salesman. Mm. And it's just somebody coming in and selling you on a thought. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate into that next big thing. It just right. feels like it's big. So that's that's a tactic that, that I think Hollywood likes to use in marketing. It's just, what is the big idea, guys? Like, what are we doing here? It's just like, well, can we just come up with ideas? See what happens? <laughs> Execute. So you're replacing big idea with execute and viral with authenticity. And I'm here with you hundred <laughs> percent. Well, so I know that you have been there in so many different campaigns. What is something that you can say is one, you know, an inspiring experience or maybe a terrifying thing that went wrong or something that you were like, oh, that was so <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was, that was really good that you've had an experience on in a previous campaign, whether it's in your job right now or, or in a previous company. I would say my most favorite campaign, the campaign that really helped me to learn a lot about the power of my own capabilities was probably when I worked on the film, Get Hard. And it was starring Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell. And I wanted to do something that was different. I didn't want to do a traditional digital campaign. I wanted to go to South by and I want to create a moment where we were really taking the various aspects of what's great about these two guys and, and how they interact with each other and the kind of friendship that they built on set and just their relationship. So again, going back to authenticity. So we went back and came up with a bunch of ideas that related specifically to how Kevin Hart does comedy and how Will Ferrell does comedy and how that comedy comes together. So we created this amazing activation at South by Southwest. I was also working on Entourage at the same time. So I think I practically almost killed myself going through the process of activating these films at this festival. But we, I wanted to do a takeover of South by and that's what we did. Did a partnership with uh, Funny or Die where they created a video that was custom. The director of the film actually directed the video. 
I wanted TI in it. TI said yes. Kevin was in it. Will was in it. And it was really switching it up to where Will Ferrell was auditioning for all of Kevin Hart's parts in movies. And Kevin Hart was auditioning for all of Will Ferrell's parts in movies. It was really funny. We launched that um, content piece at South by with an event centered around Funny or Die. They have this event that they do every single year. So we just took over the event. And then we also had the guys go out on the streets of Austin um, and they did like a man on the street thing where they just talked to people. They talked to people, they did bits. Like it was just, it was just seeing them together. And then we had our junket there and we also had a premiere there. So we just really took it, uh, took the whole festival and we said, how do we really take all the best parts of South by and then insert these guys into it. And it was really successful. And it allowed it to be, I think, one of the highest R-rated comedies at that time. Um, I love that film. I just love it. (laughs) So funny. It seems, I mean, the plot is obviously unrealistic, but at the time I was like, this could happen. (laughs) This could happen. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But it was this understanding of just team effort Mm -hmm. and also working with talent and doing things that talent wants to do, not just what we think talent should do. Right. And really, the time to understand who is it that we want a part of these content pieces and how do we like construct something around them? Mm -hmm. How do we make them feel like they're the most comfortable that they could possibly be in their own space? So I think it was a learning experience of not just working with the team at Warner Bros. And it was at the time, an amazing group of people. And there's a lot of those folks are still there, but it was also just everybody getting inspired and coming together and feeling energized by it. And Kevin and Will are both amazing to work with. I mean, Kevin is crazy and he's <laughs> super nice and he's super manual. So it was just, it was just a really amazing experience. Nice. Well, so I have asked you to stick around for something called Extra Bite and you have agreed. So I'm so yeah. excited. So if you're listening right now, um, make sure you finish out the episode, but then head on over to Extra Bite for a little bit more with Meryl Johnson. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining me on Sweet Bites with Sandra today. Ah, oh, I loved it. Thank you so much. So I wanted to talk about a story that happened most recently, and I was called from my agent to submit pictures because I was very, very pregnant. I was pretty big, (laughs) And, and I was called to submit my pregnancy photos for a music video, and they said, you know, I can't tell you who the artist is, but they're a pretty major artist, but they want some pregnant ladies in their in their music video. And this story really has to do with understanding yourself and what you're comfortable with, and also just knowing that at the end of the day, it is about the work. So when I was called to do that, my husband and I rushed down the hallway of our apartment complex, and we rushed down, took pictures outside by the balcony. And so there's like these apartments in the back, but I'm literally in a bra and some pants, and my huge pregnant belly is hanging out, right? And he's he's pretending like he's like the best photographer in the world, and he will definitely tell you that he is with an iPhone. And so we took a few different soft and elegant ones, and then we took a few that were playful and kind of spunky, a few that looked kind of dancey and kind of like, ah, in your face. And we sent them over. And number one is humbling because I knew the choreographer, his name is Jacquel Knight, but I didn't know who it was for because he is, he's worked for a lot of really high profile people. So I, you know, I trust his judgment. I said, ah, okay, I'm going to send him the, the pictures and hopefully I book the gig. 
Now, come to find out, I booked the gig and it was for Beyonce. And I didn't know that until I showed up and it was clearly a Beyonce music video set. And I was dying, dying, because of course, everybody wants to work for Beyonce. And so I was very, very happy that I got the gig, got to be on set with Beyonce. We we did not dance with her, but we danced for her. She was watching every moment and we got to meet her afterward. And so, you know, the one thing that is humbling about it is I've worked in this business for a long time, but I still had to submit myself and a lot of people still do. And so when you think about if you are going out for a new career or you are transitioning to, you know, to the next place in your life, don't feel like you are owed something, I think is what I'm getting at. Always be prepared to submit yourself. Put that resume out there, generate a brand new cover letter. For me, it was submitting my pictures on the fly of a really, they wanted recent pictures. They wanted right up to date, they wanted that day. So they wanted to see what you looked like right then. And so it's not a matter of, I've done all this work and you know I'm too good for that. It's no, Jockwell's calling, I'll do what he asks and hopefully it's enough. And so on set, you know, we got to talk to her and she gave us all big hugs. And my goodness, you know, for us, we were just so grateful for the opportunity, but also just knowing that, you know, whether it happened or not in that way, everything happens for a reason. And so for me, I didn't know what it was going to be a part of, or if it was going to come out. The music video was called my power. And it came out as part of the Blackest King film. Now I am in the credits. I'm not actually in the Blackest King footage that I know of anyway. So the other point I want to make is it is about just doing the work and making those connections because I felt like, you know, after that, working with Jacquel Knight again and his assistant and just all of those people who were on set, the makeup artists and the costumers and the fellow dancers, you know, just having those moments of community and wanting to make something great, that, that you can't buy. That you just, you're not in that environment all too often. So when you are, I say, just soak it up soak it up because you don't get those experiences very often. And I just, I thank the people that, you know, submitted me and that, you know, Jacquel and, and Beyonce and all of the people who understood her vision enough to say, okay, we want this. So we're going to, we're going to go after that. And it came out amazing. I watched it and I was just like in awe of just the, the scenery and the cinematography and choreography and all of that. And just so grateful to be a part of it. So I stress that it is about the work and don't ever have that kind of too high and mighty opinion of yourself to not want to just do the part that you need to and submit yourself when you're being asked to submit pictures and be ready to do it on the fly. Are you looking for a webinar platform that really has your back? For me, I do a lot of webinars and I do a lot of lecturing and speaking and and I really feel like I need something that's simple. I don't need something that's complicated. I want something that's able to take my message, distribute it, have a live option, but also be able to automate. For me, Webinar Ninja does the trick and I definitely highly recommend it for you too. So if you're looking for a webinar platform, check out Webinar Ninja on my software solutions page. Just go to www.sandracoltonmedici.com forward slash software dash solutions. And now, of course, (laughs) it's time for Extra Bite. 
<laughs> I love Extra Bite because it is so much fun. I always send you over to my blog. It's sandracoltamedici.com forward slash blog. And you'll find all of the Extra Bites from every single episode there. You'll find recipes. You'll find fashion. You'll find beauty. You'll find business tips, the life, um, personal photos of my family, myself. There is so much on the blog that you can partake in. And this is part of your sweet reward. So if you head over to Extra Bite, you will find a new artist that I found. Um, her name is Barbara Kiss, and she has a new song. It's called Come Alive. It's super chill, and I really, really like it, and I hope that you do too. Also on Extra Bite this episode is something really fun, which is me and my daughter, Julia. Uh, we decided to cook some, uh, or excuse me, to bake <laughs> some cookies. And so I hope that if you have a moment and you check out Extra Bite, you bake cookies with us too. And then post your photos to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you live and tag me, Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. That would be awesome. And then we're going to pick a winner. We will be picking a winner from all of your entries to win a $25 gift certificate to amazon.com. So don't miss out on this opportunity because the holidays are among us. They are. And I know that people People love shopping. Even if it's not for you, it might be for somebody else. And even if you want to keep it for yourself, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. So I hope you check out Extra Bite on my blog, sandracoltamedici.com forward slash blog. And I will check you on the next episode. See ya. <laughs> Tune in every Thursday to satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth with me, Sandra Coltamedici on Sweet Bites with Sandra. Follow on Instagram at Sweet Bites with Sandra Podcast. You can also follow my personal profile at Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. And please join our group on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Sweet Bites with Sandra. And all the time, Bites is spelled B-Y-T-E-S. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltamedici.com. Include in the subject line, be a sponsor.